This is Over the Line on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ah, uh, yes, happy Monday. Let's start the week off right. As uh, some of our Wisconsin teams over the weekend, it definitely got us feeling some type of way in a good way here uh, as uh, our rooting interests have uh, peaked a little bit. Uh, NBA done with the All-Star break. The Bucks Bucks already have two games under their belt. We saw it Friday night and yesterday. And how about this, Milwaukee Bucks fans? You have yourselves a game on Channel 3000 here locally in uh, Madison area for the Bucks as they took down the first place Timberwolves in the West. A lot of people bitching and moaning. Well, not a lot of people. Some people bitching and moaning how they couldn't watch some of their network television shows. I I, I question who are watching these shows still. As uh, some people were really upset that they couldn't watch. God, I, I remember the names of the shows. I have to go find uh, uh, find the list of people bitching about it to see why they're so mad. Uh, oh, yeah. We were all set to watch Blue Bloods. Um. What is Blue Bloods? Anyone out there that watches network television? I would love to know what the show... I could Google it momentarily, but what the show Blue Bloods is all about. The people were all uh, hacked off about Friday night that they couldn't watch on their television set because the Milwaukee Bucks were uh, taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Would love to know the show Blue Bloods. Never even heard of it. Again, I'll Google it if uh, no one else out there knows because I don't know who's still watching uh, that network television. And then we saw the Bucks again. Uh, yesterday, oh, at, uh, uh, on ABC, ESPN action too, either either or, as the Bucks just dismantled the Philadelphia 76ers. 2-0 after the All-Star break for our Milwaukee Bucks. Got to be feeling damn good. All-Star break over in the NBA. Milwaukee Bucks beat the number one team in the West, the Timberwolves, on Friday. Nice way to start the All-Star, after the All-Star break, the second half of the season, beating the T-Wolves. It was on uh, CBS. You could you could watch it. A lot of people were hacked off that the, their show Blue Bloods wasn't on. I didn't even heard of the show. I didn't know people still watched network television like that. But people were upset that the Bucks were on and not this show called Blue Bloods. I didn't know what it's about. Apparently, Tom Selleck is a is a cop in it. It's been around for a, a long time. Apparently, no idea the show existed. But got to watch the Bucks. Didn't care about Blue Bloods. Nice win over the T Wolves. Good to see. Defensively, uh, a juggernaut. The Milwaukee Bucks gave up what, uh, thirteen points in the third quarter to the T Wolves. The defense just hammering down, and then you get uh, the return of Doc Rivers to Philadelphia. Doc Rivers, obviously the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks now. Doc returns home to his former team, the Seventy Sixers, to a chorus of boos. Boo this man! As Doc Rivers was fired from Philadelphia after the last season. Coached the Sixers 2020 to 2023. Never got past that second round of the playoffs, right? Trust the process. Well, with the Bucks now, Doc Rivers, how much pressure does he have after replacing Adrian Griffin? Wasn't going that good. They were 3-7 and seven into the All-Star break. Now they take down the T-Wolves. And yesterday, they beat the 76ers 119-98. Doc Rivers talks about coming back to Philadelphia. Said he a lot of, uh, you know, made a lot of friends there. Had some good years there. Just life in general. Talking about how great the fan base was of the 76ers. Uh, has anyone ever described the Philadelphia's fan base for any sport as great? Hell, even their own players hate them. 
Doc Rivers though talks on the homecoming, kind of. It was awesome. I mean, really. Like, listen, I had three good years uh, here. And I'm not talking about basketball. I'm just talking about life. I, I enjoyed my my stay here. Um, you know, I, I have made friends for life uh, from here. Um, still come in. I snuck in a couple times. Got some golf in at Billy Cricket. So, no, this was good. Fans were good. And somebody, there's a couple of hilarious comments. I will say that. Uh, <laughs> one guy told me that. Then Larry David is looking for me to golf, so I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd golf with Larry David. But yeah, Doc Rivers talking about, you know, a good feeling, especially because they won. And then after, uh, well, Bobby Portis was mic'd up during the game. And Bobby Portis was feeling himself because Bobby Portis had a good game. Hell, everyone on the Bucks had a pretty damn good game. Bobby Portis, while he was mic'd up, had this to say about the Bucks, real quick. Bucks starting to look like the Bucks again. Say that again. Bucks starting to look like the Bucks again. One more time. Bucks starting to look like the Bucks again. The Bucks are starting to look like the Bucks again. That is good to hear. Now the 76ers are a little beat up. No Joel Embiid. Some more injuries. But man, Bucks throttled them. As the Bucks, uh, we were talking defense right against the T Wolves, holding them to 13 points in the third quarter. While the Bucks held the 76ers to 16 points in the fourth. Good to see. And if Bobby Porter is saying the Bucks are starting to look like the Bucks again, Giannis Dendekumo, after the game, was asked about it. Here you go. Here's the Greek freak. Bobby Portis was also hooping, and he was mic'd up, and he said the Bucks are starting to look like the Bucks again. Where would you say this identity is for this team under Doc Rivers at this point? We got to keep on playing better. We got to keep on building good habits, and we just got to keep on playing hard. I think the last two games we've played hard, and that's who we are. You know, uh, when we don't play hard, we don't look like the Bucks. So I think I think Bobby's right. In the last two games, we played hard. Thanks for your time and coming down to my level, Giannis. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> Back to you, Dave. Didn't want you to have to stretch your arm too <laughs> high, so we do give Giannis some, some credit for that. Yeah, the game was on ABC if you get to watch it, uh, which was nice when you can have easy access to the Bucks. Giannis was like, like crouching down, talking to the reporter. A funny moment there. But uh, Giannis also talks, you know, post-game, says the team brought the same effort in Philly as they did Friday night against the T-Wolves. I'm just carrying over from the previous week we had against Minnesota. We came out, we played hard. Uh, in the first two first quarters, uh, in the third quarter, we were a little bit sloppy. We turned the ball over a lot of times. I think around six, eight times, you know. Uh, but going to the fourth quarter, I think we did a best job just finding one another, uh, making the right plays offensively. Defensively, Brooke was right there. Brooke was there all, all night. They made the top threes, but whenever they drove in the bay, we were, we were jumping um, up clean. And we gave the rebound, we were going the other way. Yeah, Bucks were uh, Bucks were inspired. They were playing like they wanted it, which is nice to see in the second half of the season. Hell, Giannis, Giannis was a beast per usual. He was an assist shy of a triple double, but Giannis went to the free throw line more times twelve than the entire Seventy Sixers team eleven, and it was nice to see because offensively the Bucks uh, didn't have an issue under Adrian Griffin. It was defense which was their problem. And then when Doc Rivers got here, offensively, they were having a hard time gelling. And then defensively, they were doing a little better. But now they kind of are bringing it on the same page as Doc Rivers credited the team's defense of getting it done. Giannis as well, right there, talking about you know, Brooke Lopez being on the right spots at the right time. And then we'll uh, get to Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard you know, says, you know, after two weeks under Doc Rivers, the Bucks are finally getting it together. Our coach has been on us hard about doing things a certain way. And uh, it takes time to, to settle into that, but I think we had a great practice where we just kind of addressed a lot of things. We had a, a talk, and our, our teams kind of went into a, a really good practice. 
and we have a performance like this, and I think it just shows that we we understand what our jobs are, what we want to do, how we need to play to be successful. And um, when you're able to come on a, a great team's floor and get a win like this, a hard, a hard-earned win, I think it's definitely something to build on. You know, you go into any building feeling like you can do it again when you can do it like that. Yeah, so Damian Lillard was feeling himself against the Wolves and against the 76ers yesterday afternoon. And Dame time was just inspired right away. Dame time was getting it going. Scored the first seven points for the Bucks. Finished with 11 points in that first quarter. As uh, the boos were rain, raining down on Doc Rivers, they silenced that crowd real quick. And for that T-Wolves game, too, uh, big confidence builder because T-Wolves are number one in the West. Dame Time talks on taking down the top team in the West. Uh, you know, honestly, it's been uh, on the inside, it's been good. Uh, you know, I think we understand that uh, having our third coach this season, including our interim coach, uh, it's going to take some time, you know, to get adjusted and to kind of reestablish who we want to be and what we want to do on both sides of the ball. And uh, when you're going through that type of transition midseason, you can run up against a team that's just flowing well. You can run up against a team that's just feeling good. A lot of things can happen, and, you know, we just haven't been on the winning side. But I think on the inside, it, we can feel the tide turning. Um, we're aware of the things that we got to do better, and I think this is a good start, you know, moving in the right direction. But, you know, as far as the, the scrutiny and people talking, that's always going to happen. That comes with the, the territory. That comes with the game. And we just got to do what we do and, and just keep pushing. That's it. So Bucks turning the corner here. Now, I know it's only two games after the All-Star break, but it's better than talking about losses. As the Bucks, um, you know, was not looking the greatest before that All-Star break when Doc Rivers came in. And, you know, Dame Time talking there about the three coaches, from Griffin to Prunty, the apprentice, Joe Prunty. By the way, it was 2-0 as Bucks interim. And then into Doc Rivers. It's going to take a little time. And the Bucks right now still third in the... East, eight and a half behind the Celtics, who are number one, Cavaliers second. Yeah, NFL Combine this week. Some players not participating. Our guy Mitchell Trubisky on Twitch. What's up, True? It's Marvin Harrison Jr. won't be participating in the Combine or at Pro Day. Only meeting with teams, no testing either. I know Cooper DeGene, the phenom from Iowa, going the same route as well. By the way, Packers, they could be drafting Cooper DeGene. How awesome would that be? That guy rules. Packers should be getting in on him. I'd be a fan of that one. Uh, but speaking of the Packers, uh, a couple of uh, players weren't re-signed. There wasn't really a must-re-sign for the Green Bay Packers, you know, like a Darnell Savage, uh, Keyshawn Nixon, A.J. Dillon, some free agents. Um, would you want to see a Darnell Savage back? Uh, Keyshawn Nixon, yeah. Darnell Savage maybe on the cheap. A.J. Dillon's probably going to demand a little more money than the Packers would want to offer him. And speaking of the Packers, not completely clear from salary cap troubles, but uh, they're unburdened from the $40.3 million in dead money that Rodgers counted against last year's cap. And now uh, the NFL's come out with a new salary cap, a big money coming on in. Uh, right now, Packers slightly over their projected salary cap for this season, but could free up as much as $40 million. That would be moving on from the likes of David Bakhtiari, Devondre Campbell, the linebacker, outside linebacker Preston Smith. Now, depending on the timing, is pre or post June first. That's when the you know, more or less they could save. Now, Preston Smith seems the most likely to return on a renegotiated deal, but others that could be renegotiated. Would Aaron Jones be up to it again? He took a pay cut last off season. Would he do it again to free up more space to sign some other teams' free agents? I don't know. Aaron Jones already taking a little discount. Wanting to say at the green and gold. If you were him, would you want to take another pay cut? Or it's like, yo, dude, 
we got this window now that seems to be open again with the emergence of Jordan Love and these young wide receivers. What if we bring in some key free agents? Could you talk Aaron Jones into taking another pay cut? You know, Brian Gutekunst was talking about how they think they're in a, a little better of a spot than they were in the past. Again, with that Aaron Rodgers dead money coming off. And if you move on from David Bakhtiari, which I think we all want to do, right? David Bakhtiari, had, ever since he tore that ACL, I mean, I don't have to rehash it all. The dude, all he really did this season was stand up week one and flick off the Chicago Bears faithful at Soldier Field. That was a cool play from Bach outside of that. I mean, what the hell else have he, has he done? And then Jordan Love also is going to be uh, due for a, an extension here, and he's going to get some big money. So what do you do with that? Uh, that's going to happen in March for Jordan Love. So you know, like Darnell Savage, his contract was voided last week. What do you do with him? You want to bring him back on a cheaper deal to safety? He loved his time in Green Bay. He remains optimistic, though, that a deal can get done before the league year. That was uh, Darnell Savage's agent saying that. He says, but realistically, the window for free agent communication is around the corner, and there will be significant interest around the league for Darnell, Darnell Savage. You know, one league source had said they analyzed the free agent market estimate that Savage would be the highest pay, uh, highest price player among the Packers free agent classes this subseason. You know, garnering a deal, an average deal around five million to seven million dollars. And also, Savage does he have a connection with Jeff Halfley? Somewhat. Halfley's defensive assistant at Boston College was uh, Abdul Rahim, who was Savage's position coach at the University of Maryland. And in fact, they say. Um, this position coach and Savage, um, they talk, you know, in BC safety Zoom calls the previous past two seasons for Savage helping out his, uh, you know, BC. John Runyon was a writing on the wall for him. And I don't know if he's going to be around. He was pretty emotional at the end of the year for John Runyon. Well, we had audio from him of him getting all choked up saying, like, this could be the last time he puts on the G. What do you do with Runyon? The market value for him, around 4 to $6 million. You know, Keyshawn Nixon, the past two off-seasons, signed one-year deals with the Packers. The first was a veteran minimum, and then a $4 million one last year. You know, he was a phenom that first year once they finally started to use him on special teams. You know, Nixon as well, defensively, pretty good at times. And Nixon also talking about, quote, the moment I signed my contract, put that G in my helmet, it meant everything. You know, they pour everything into me, into this organization. I pour everything back into them. Then he, what, is all-pro two years later, two all-pros. So what do you do with Keyshawn Nixon? And then A.J. Dillon, talking about him. I don't think uh, the Packers are going to be bringing A.J. Dillon back. His last little hurrah, you might have saw him there at the Cole Center, cheering on the Wisconsin Badgers, went into the locker room, had a little pump-up talk. But, you know, he could be a cheap option to re-sign. Uh, lowest end of his market valuation here at $1.5 million to $3 million. Now, Dillon did miss those final three games. Injury, you know, got a bad stinger. Would you want to see A.J. Dillon back? You know, we're talking to Rob Reichel about that. Forbes.com, Conley Media, the draft upcoming. Packers, you know, going to be drafting a running back. Why not? A.J. Dillon, how much did he bring to this team? Now, at times last year, there were moments like, yeah, okay, A.J. Dillon bringing it. I was Aaron Jones was a little hurt. But other than that, it wasn't much for A.J. Dillon. Some other free agents out there, you know, Yash Nyman, Jonathan Owens, Rudy Ford, and then there's this guy. An unrestricted free agent in Josiah DeGuara. Please, it's time for that experiment to be over. Sorry, DeGuara. Uh, what have you really done? Go on. Uh, but speaking of the Packers, I was reading the Sports Illustrated article. Uh, intriguing to me. 
Sports Illustrated, it was one move that every team should make this offseason, and this one was hyper-focused on the NFC North. A little snippet of it, right? The, you know, the Lions finally won the NFC North for the first time in franchise history. Obviously one of the best rosters in the NFL. Uh, they have to do a, a, a little updating on their defensive side of the ball. Packers second, you know, to the Lions. Packers emerging, though, as a legitimate threat next season with uh, Jordan Love and this offense. We'll see what happens with Jeff Halfley and this defense. And they got the Vikings and the Bears. You know, they got questions surrounding their quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins, I don't know if he's going to be a Viking. Does he want to take a one, maybe a two-year deal? I know the Vikings are uh, looking to uh, get their future in the draft at the quarterback. What happens with the Bears and Justin Fields? Are they going to trade him? Use that number one pick to you know maybe get Caleb Williams? What are they going to do? Will the Bears ruin another quarterback coming up here? I think Justin Fields needs... Needs a new environment. Now, he didn't follow the Bears on social media. I'm sure we talked, uh, you saw that. We talked about it. As Fields was even saying, like, hey, just because you don't follow someone like a girl on Instagram doesn't mean you're not messing with her. So I don't know. If uh, if you're going down in the DMs with somebody you don't follow on Instagram, that's usually for a side piece. Is Justin Fields now treating the Chicago Bears like a side piece? Does he see the writing on the wall? You know, C.J. Stroud last week was talking about how the Bears should stick with Justin Fields, but they probably won't because, you know, they're dumb. So we'll see probably a new quarterback here. Hell, they're sticking with Matt Eberflus and get what? Caleb Williams with that first pick? I don't know. If I were that, I'd stick with Justin Fields and surround him with some talent, a line, some playmakers. Maybe it'd be a little better if you're Chicago. But in this Sports Illustrated article, they're talking about the Lions. They should sign someone on defense like Jalen Johnson or LeJarius Sneed. Okay, you got to up the defense a little bit. For the Bears, they're talking about, you know, trading away Justin Fields. That's the number one thing they should do. For the Vikings, you know, draft a quarterback in the first round. They could opt to re-sign Kirk Cousins, but it would likely be for a one- or a two-year deal. They need a long-term quarterback, though. You know, eyeing up the likes of, like, what, Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, maybe Oregon's Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. It's upside for these, those three quarterbacks. They're not high up in the draft to get a Caleb Williams. But then it was intriguing what they said about the Green Bay Packers. Now, this individual is coming off uh, a down season. Only played seven games due to injury. He also uh, didn't help himself when he crashed the coin toss. Almost screwed it up for the Packers while making himself an honorary captain. And then he got suspended for a game because of it. That would be Jair Alexander. Sports Illustrated suggests that the Packers trade Jair Alexander. Here's a little snippet. All signs point to the Packers shopping Jair, with them being $2.8 million over the salary cap right now. Alexander has a $23.9 million cap hit number in 2024, and they're thinking perhaps the Packers can trade him for a day three draft pick to get rid of the hefty contract, which will not expire until 2027. Would you, Packer fans, be opposed or say, hell yeah, trade away Jair Alexander, one of the crown jewels, not so much last year, but one of the crown jewels on that Packers defense. Now, Jair did come up big, right? A big interception on Dak Prescott against the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. That was huge. But if you trade Jair, how thin would that leave that secondary? How thin would that be? It would be thin, and Jair is a hell of a talent. When healthy, quality, dude. Would you 
be opposed to trading Jerry Alexander or say, no, dude, that is crazy. Why would you want to put Jeff Halfley, the new DC, in more of a predicament by shipping out your top cornerback, one of your top players in Jair Alexander? All right, opinions coming in on Jair Alexander. Sports Illustrated suggests the Packers trade him. Now, down here last year, only playing in seven games with injuries. And also, you know, when he made himself a captain and almost screwed up the coin toss. Got uh, out of game there. Those little floor and Brian Gutekunst were like, that ain't going to fly, dude. Now, according to Pro Football Focus, Jair Alexander allowed 29 receptions on 40 targets. A percentage of 72.5%, by far the worst of his career. He missed six tackles for a miss percentage of 13.6%, one of the worst of his careers. And allowed a pass rating of 110. Not the worst of his career, but above his career rating, which was 82.2. Our guy Thick Cheddar says, he graded out as a top four cornerback at the hardest position to play in the NFL outside of quarterback. Yeah, let's get rid of him. No, idiots. That says, imagine if the Ravens got rid of Ray Lewis and he drove a getaway car to murder, but Jair Alexander's antics are too much. Screen face, fans shaking my head. <laughs> and then that's on one end of the spectrum. The other end, now I got Rock and Rick says Jair and David uh, Bakhtiari can share a cab ride out of Green Bay. And then our man J.A. Krebs, more than Krebs, he says, I don't think Jair is as good as he thinks he is, or most Packer fans. Dude doesn't tackle. Gets burnt. He had one good game against Justin Jefferson. That being said, they can't trade him. His cap hit is too high. So what is your feeling and your vibe on Jair Alexander? I'd keep the guy. When healthy, the dude is a phenom. Now, you're not always going to be 100% healthy. I mean, health's the NFL. And Jair, I think, learned his lesson a little bit last year after making himself that captain. And then, you know, they had that closed-door meeting with Matt LaFleur and Brian Kudekunst, and apparently a very productive meeting because after Jair served his one-game suspension, came back, he had uh, nothing but praise for LaFleur and Brian Kudekunst, saying it was, you know, a really good closed-door meeting, a learning moment, a growing moment for him. LaFleur said the same thing. LaFleur saying that, you know, it was nice to talk with Jair. They got on the same page, and their relationship grew because of it. Now, when you get someone with the mic in front of their face again, what are, they're never really going to throw their team under the bus or the teammate under the bus, unless what your Rick Fatino the other week throwing his uh, St. John's players under the bus. By the way, St. John's getting a win over Creighton yesterday. Rick Fatino in an all white suit, like he was uh, coaching in Miami. So you're not you're never going to get someone you know throwing people under the bus. It's very rare that that happens. But it did seem like getting Jair played good once he came back, and also was huge in the playoff game against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that set the tone early when he picked off Dak Prescott and just showed you a glimpse of what Jair can do. But has the shtick kind of uh, gone south a little bit? Jair, one of the funniest dudes, though. His interview is absolutely incredible. This is a one of my favorite moments from Jair. I seen number 10 coming across the field. I said, oh, snap, he fast. So I bagged off. When I bagged off, I seen him coming. He ran right in front of me. I was like, wow, is he really overthrowing it? Huh? Took it down the sideline, turned up with my guys, gave the football to a little kid wearing 23. <laughs> Sorry, Jair Alexander. He is uh, the voice amazing. The interviews are always incredible for Jair. Keep him just for the comedy factor alone and for the play in the field. By the way, the salary cap went up huge in the NFL. Won an extra $30 million. Packers also under the, the, the out of the dead weight of Aaron Rodgers, too. 
And if you get rid of David Bakhtiari, Devondre Campbell, you're looking a little better as well. I was like, huh? Ten up with my boys. I, I'm still a little sick. I still got a little... I can't do my Jerry, uh, Jerry Alexander impersonation good yet. Hey, man, Jerry Alexander here, man. <laughs> you can't get rid of me, man. <laughs> you gotta keep me the package, man. Pack it back. Yeah. That's the best I can do before I start coughing. Yeah. Yeah, court storming the big hot button issue. We saw it hell earlier this year. Women's basketball when Caitlin Clark got shoved, went down. You know, kind of initiated the contact, too. Same as... uh. Duke's big man, Filipowski. Say that three times fast. As he extended his foot to trip the fan, shoved him, uh, ended up spraining his ankle. But again, why the fan's out there to begin with. You don't need player safety first. That's what you're there to see, right? The players. The teams play. They're there to cause bodily harm. Uh, Duke's head coach, though, had something to say about it afterwards. Obviously not happy with this big man turning his ankle. Disappointed we lost. Uh, but look, for me, it's I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big-time game, Salas was as good as could be today and and hats off to them but you look around the country and Caitlin Clark something happens and now Flip I don't know what his status is going to be he sprains his ankle and it's one thing like when I played at least it was 10 seconds in the court you know you would storm the court now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off and they're they're running on the floor and this has happened to us a bunch this year um, it's part of it I don't want this to take away at all from Wake they earned it. They deserve the win. Steve is a hell of a coach. I respect the heck out of him and his team. They're, they're really good. And if this is an example that they need to be in the tournament, what are we even talking about? So I'll answer any questions. But for me, that's hats off to them. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. Uh, but uh, that needs to stop. Yeah, um, very adamant, obviously. I mean, you don't want to see your, one of your best players get hurt. But, you know, for college basketball, another huge upset. March Madness, not to get off the court swimming issue, but March Madness is going to be crazy. So many teams, so many teams, ranked teams losing. You're like, damn. Like St. John's, for example, they beat Creighton uh, yesterday. Uh, Rick Patino, after throwing his team under the bus, calling them unathletic and, you know, not trying, they got and get a big win over the Blue Jays. That was a hell of a game to watch. And seeing Rick Patino all in white, like he was uh, in South Beach, was <laughs> was awesome. But yeah, Wake Forest head coach uh, shares the same sentiment though as Dukes. You know, talking about court storming. You don't even like him. Never has he says. I didn't see what happened at the end. You know, I hope he's okay. Um, I don't like court stormings. Never have. I've been a part of those before as a coach. I just don't feel safe. Um, I'm sure the next time that happens, we'll do a better job of, of uh, taking care of that situation. Well, yeah, it's, uh, to the point, you don't feel safe. Um, you know, people talking, I know Kevin called in a little bit ago, and people talking about you'd wait before you storm the court. Well, everyone, it's that instant gratific- uh, gratification now, right? It's uh, social media. Pull your phone out, get a video of you to post on your socials about how you stormed the court and maybe talk a little smack to a player, and then uh, just for a couple likes to get on the court. Hell, even Shaka Smart was asked about it. So there you go, Marquette fans. 
Shaka Smart talks on that dilemma as well. I was watching the game, actually. I was watching it live. Um, we had just gotten done with practice. My daughter came into the owl, and we were going to get some, some work in on the court. Um, but before we went down there, that game was finishing up, so we just watched the last couple minutes. I think that you know we got to be careful to be super reactionary. Um, you know, it's it's something that is unique and special about college sports, um, not just basketball but football. At the same time, we got to keep people safe. So, uh, is there a way to do both? Is there a way to um, keep that neat experience for those college kids and? Uh, that team that won that game, that home team, um, without anyone getting hurt. Uh, I would be surprised if there was anything malicious. You said that act. Um, but I don't know. I wasn't I wasn't there. Um, you know, when you have a, a team of the level and the program of, of Duke, um, you know, and everyone loses on the road sometimes, and then those sorts of things are going to happen. I think it's happened to us once or twice. Um, and, you know, I, I think that whoever is uh, working in game operations, we just got to make sure that, that the players are safe because uh, we, we don't want anyone getting hurt. But I, I don't know if I would go as far as to say that there's no place for it because um, it is a pretty neat scene. I mean, and you look at some of the pictures um, – of like iconic wins with you know people hanging off the goalposts in football or you know everybody on the court in basketball. So uh, I, I wouldn't say like a blanket statement. You got to get rid of it all. So Shaka Smart, you know, I mean he's right too. It is special. It is cool when you see it happen. There are iconic photos. Hell, remember when um, when Tennessee took the goalposts? Like th- that took it to another level as well. <laughs> they literally took a goalpost. And uh, the school had to be like, hey, can you bring that back? We kind of need that. That's expensive. What do you do? I don't know. A velvet rope ain't stopping nobody. An army of yellow shirt security guards, are they stopping anyone? Probably not. There's more safety than their safety thrown in jeopardy as well. What do you do? Tell everyone, wait 10 seconds. Then you can get your uh, TikTok video. Can of worms, man. It's open. Big matchup coming in this weekend for Wisconsin hockey. But before we get into the matchup this weekend, let's talk about what happened over the weekend. My gosh, Wisconsin hockey, after a, a, a rough couple of weekends leading up to what happened over the weekend, they sweep Penn State. The Badgers get it done. Here's a little, uh, a little fun little supercut that Wisconsin hockey on social media put together. With Lucius, crisscross slot. Dexheimer, backhand shot. He scores! And Dexheimer scores in overtime! <laughs> Wisconsin hockey sweeps Penn State, baby! Yeah. Um, awesome to see, what was it, uh, six to nothing. Uh, the first game, six to nothing, Wisconsin gets it done. And then in the second game, 3 2, three, two in overtime victory over the Nittany Lions. RJ, 
the turnaround for Wisconsin hockey, and we've talked about this before, but nothing short of incredible as Mike Hastings comes in, and my God, Badger, Badger Hawk, woo, yeah. in fuego, baby. Uh, two points behind Michigan State right now, thanks to Ohio State for taking one game from Michigan State. Uh, so, yeah, this weekend, Badger's got a got a sweep um, and get five or more points. So either two regulation wins or a regulation win and an overtime win. If you go to, if you get a win and a shootout win, uh, you tie for first uh, and Michigan State wins via season series um, and gets the first round bye. But uh, if you go in and take care of business at home, um, yeah, there's there's a good shot. Uh, Wisconsin will win the Big Ten. Well, I mean, if it happens, they do win the Big Ten. And, um, yeah, you get a first-round bye in the uh, Big Ten uh, playoffs here. Yeah, but how cool is that? It comes down to this weekend. Yeah. Well, you, you just got to take care of business. All yeah. you got to do is handle your, handle your business, and you win the Big Ten. Uh, a huge turnaround for Wisconsin men's hockey. Incredible. And now uh, UW's f- got a five-game win streak over Penn State. Ties its longest over the Nittany Lions in their short 53-game history between the two schools. <laughs> and uh, what, Penn State came to be, what, in 2013, I think, is when Penn State finally uh, added official. As um, the Badgers now, uh, 47 Big Ten points within two of Michigan State we were just talking about, and the Big Ten regular season champion will be decided when they face Sparty at home this weekend. Are you Here, gonna... Here's the thing. Um, these two teams, this is this will tell you what college hockey is kind of doing, uh, or college sports in general. These were the bottom two teams in the Big Ten last year. Yeah. And now look and, at them. Yeah. And now it's uh, to determine who the champion will be. So Wisconsin hockey, so back, baby. So back. Feels so good. As uh, Penn State, take that. Uh, yes, I will be in attendance this weekend. I was hoping so. Line one, good morning. Who do we got? That's the sound in Michigan State this weekend, baby, when they come to take on the Badgers. Their uh, season will be done, flushed, because of Bucky. Uh, all right, RJ. Um, Six minutes on hold this time. Yeah. I mean, dude, how's it feel as a, I mean... You've been a season ticket holder for Wisconsin hockey how long now? Me personally? It, yeah. Like three years. Uh, but we've but had, in your family? We've had uh, season tickets in the family since 1974. So. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Um, at the end of Tony Granado, how are you feeling about the program, the state of the program here? It was really one of those, like, after last season, it was, I don't know where we go. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you can hire somebody who can make this better right away and <laughs> well okay mike hastings obviously not a wisconsin guy when barry richter was in here talking about he's like you know we didn't necessarily need a wisconsin guy he just needed a fresh voice yeah when they didn't go a wisconsin guy were you you know was it like an eyebrow raise was it a red flag or was it the same no. you know thinking as barry richter here it was yeah i didn't think they needed a wisconsin guy i mean you started looking at wisconsin guys because there's still some guys who played here um and are doing well in college hockey as as coaches uh on whatever level you want to go look at but um yeah didn't really need to be a wisconsin guy and we even talked about it like when wisconsin was doing the best uh their two most storied coaches didn't play hockey here they were you know yeah um yeah but uh 
yeah, you, you definitely don't need it to be a Wisconsin guy. And, um, and yeah, man, Hastings proven that quick. Hastings yeah. brings a lot of pedigree too. Yeah, and because he's, he's, he's always never had a playoffs. losing season yeah. as a head coach on any level. He's been a coach at he, um, he's been a part of programs that have rich history. Um, as an assistant, he took over Mankato and made them competitive right away. Um, it's just a different style of recruiting he's going to be doing, and. Um, and I think Barry said this too, and you said it as well as so as I. Accountability was huge now with Hastings coming in. Accountability yeah. for the guys. I mean, you have guys who had been healthy scratches, and more of it's wondering why isn't so and so playing. And then something happened, and he's back on the ice, and you know, it's like, oh, it's a refreshing to see him. <laughs> yeah, so refreshing to see Wisconsin really have a really good turnaround here, and um, you know, again, the Big Ten title up for grabs here uh, over the weekend. Going to be just crazy at the Kohl Center, and that's what's nice to see too, man, is the barn getting packed. 64 goals this year. That's nuts. Well, and you see the... 51 in conference play. And you see the barn getting packed again. How, yeah. I mean, how great is it to see the Kohl Center? Like when Minnesota came in, that was like a that was you know a must see event. I mean yeah. that was a fever I mean, pitch to get in there. Hopefully you can get uh, uh, sellouts for this weekend because I mean if you get a win on in, if you get a win Friday night you're you're putting yourself in position to end up as as conference champions and Saturday night becomes huge. So um, hopefully. They open up that third deck, and we can get a whole bunch of people in here and celebrate a conference championship come uh, Saturday night, dude. What a what a day on Saturday, by the way, because you could have what RJ was just saying: Wisconsin hockey going to uh, win the Big Ten Saturday night, but Saturday at the Kohl Center. Now Wisconsin takes on Indiana tomorrow in Indiana, but on Saturday, number right now number twelve Illinois comes to Madison, yeah, and that's at noon. So you could have a hell of a Saturday yeah. downtown Madison. You watch Wisconsin basketball, and you can parlay that into another ticket to go see Wisconsin hockey win potentially the Big Ten Saturday night. Oh, baby, yeah. what a weekend for Wisconsin sports coming up here. So if you're looking for something to do, hell, why not? RJ, you could do a little Wisconsin two-step down there if you wanted to. It's a hell of a day, though. Yeah, that's, that is a pretty long <laughs> that's a, day. That's I a mean, hell of a day. Because I don't think the game, the hockey game, uh, not until eight because of the basketball game yeah they'll, so they'll turn around. yeah it that's a that's a i don't really want to leave downtown <laughs> no and then <laughs> how how good of a boy can you be yeah. with all the bars surrounding you you know you can't yeah yeah that is uh yeah that is an eight o'clock game yeah Oof, who baby both friday and saturday are 8 p.m starts and i mean i don't understand like i'd like to i don't know the big 10 network uh, schedule for Saturday, but how do you not have uh, the top two teams in your conference who are playing for the conference championship on BTN? It's going to be on BTN Plus. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's Big Ten Plus. Yeah. Well, that's the thing with but, hockey, though. They always get kind of put in the the back burner for the. But it's for the conference championship. I, know, I don't really care. At some point, like if you're trying to grow a game, like. The Big Ten wants more Big Ten schools to have hockey. Put eyes on it. Mm -hmm. Be smart. Like, at this point, you're not. (laughs) You're making it available, but it's it's just like how um, volleyball is finally getting the the 
there's time to shine and getting more games on TV. And lo and behold, a lot of people are watching it. Yeah. And a, a lot of people want to watch people. it. Yeah. They want eyes on it. You'd think they'd uh, figure it out, get their head out of their butts. Uh, but Mike, our guy Mike in Portage says, will they be able to make the switch in time? Well, the basketball game's at noon. That'll be done what? Two. Two. Two thirty, barring overtime, and then you got till eight o'clock. I just googled well, it. Well, I mean, warm up start at the seven. Yeah, I just googled it from a, from a basketball court to an ice rink or an ice rink to a basketball court. The Cole Center floors flipped to create you know home court or rink for both uh, you know basketball and hockey teams. They said the transformation takes about three hours with a hearty forty person crew. So they can get that done, Mike. Oh, they they can they can get it done and then have a nice little break afterwards to get ready. Get the Zamboni out there. Yeah, it, it just takes them three hours, and you know, those are professionals getting it done. A forty person crew uh, doing it. I would love to see. Now they have a time lapse out there uh, that you can watch, but might also be uh, because the ladies have a home series against St. Thomas. Oh yeah, so you even put that in the play too. What That's a, at four p.m. Damn. <laughs> Uh, I don't assume they share Zambonis, do they? They probably got stationary Zambonis. No, I think they have a second Zamboni. Because <laughs> so, that would be tough to drive that thing back and forth. Yeah. And what's that rolling on the street? No, that's a Zamboni. It's a Zamboni. <laughs> <laughs> so a great weekend coming up here uh, for uh, Wisconsin hockey and uh, basketball as well. So get your tickets. Get ready. It's going to be uh, pretty yeah, sick. Basketball at noon. Women's hockey, 4 p.m. Men's hockey, 8 p.m. So there you go. That's your Saturday. You could find. So there. You could do a three-peat down there. I could. You could. Then I don't have to go to the bars. Well, you can drink at the Cole Center, though, and you can drink at Le Bon, can't you? I don't know. No one's forcing you. That's true. No one's forcing you to drink. Yeah. But as a true Wisconsinite, when the option is there, when the option is there, you might have to just, you know, turn to it.